Possession crucial from this. How much longer will the referee allow? Dublin lead by a point. And there's the whistle. It's over. It's over. We earned it by winning the last two matches on the road, and that's not going to be taken away from us. What I love in Hurland, I love players that will never give in. He hits it. He hits it. It's over the bar. Hello, welcome to the RTE GA podcast. Mikey Stafford here and Rory O'Neill and the day after the All-Ireland Hurling Final and we've been joined by Michael Dignan and Brendan Maher to look back on an historic day when uh, Limerick joined the, is it now a big four? I don't know, they're now uh, only... Certainly get, it's certainly getting there anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Kilkenny, Cork, Tip and now Limerick have managed managed a three in a row. Um, Michael, they, well, you know, obviously the number of all Irelands they have isn't quite up there with the with the big three, as they call them. But um, they're certainly the dominant force in hurling. And when you look at the age profile of that team, <laughs> you don't see them going away anytime soon, do you? No, you don't expect. Look, it was um, they're a fantastic team, and I think they showed that yesterday. They probably weren't at their best all year, and and I think they had obviously had injuries all year to key players, particularly Kane Lynch, Peter Casey. James Flanagan had a spell on the sidelines. Kyle Hayes was out for a while. So I think that impacted on their performances. But I think when you reflect this morning and look look back, uh, to win in Ireland without the best player, probably, arguably the best player in the country for the last five, six years, Keane Lynch, um, was some achievement. You know, it's very, very difficult to win in Ireland at the best of times, but to win without him. And look, they just really stepped up yesterday, uh, particularly I think when, and you have to give huge credit to to Kilkenny, you know, we all know what Kilkenny are made of, and Brendan knows it better than anyone been involved in massive all earns with them. Um, but when Kilkenny got that second goal and they said, Right, what's going to happen next? And Limerick's response was just unbelievable. And um, and, and particularly their half forward line, you know, you know Hager, Garrod Hegarty, Kyle Hayes, Tom Morrissey, um, at different spells, Hegarty throughout the game and Hayes and Morrissey at different spells were just unbelievable, and they managed. To keep them in the game, but the full forward line were well held. Um, but uh, the three lads were were awesome. So no, it's a fantastic achievement. And look, you're neutral. I'm a neutral at these, but you do love to see a team like that maybe reaching that sort of a milestone. I think they're a fantastic team. They've a great manager, very modest man, and and a low low key backroom team, and they just seem to do everything right. Um, and look, well done to them. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk plenty about Limerick here, but I think it's it's fair you mentioned Kilkenny early on there. And um, Brendan, I thought it was, it was an astonishing, uh, as impressive a losing performance as an All-Ireland Finals I can remember. And I think there's nobody, I think the toughest critic of a losing Kilkenny team is probably their manager, Brian Cody, who wouldn't usually be too interested in kind of looking for any moral victories or whatever. But even he said he thinks every person in Kilkenny should be very, very proud of how that team played. And you can see why he said that, because... I don't think there's another team in the country that wouldn't last that match by 10 points or more. That's just the fact that they wouldn't give up. The fact that they got those three points down the stretch at the end to actually make it a close finish when everybody was probably thinking that game was going to peter out, but Kilkenny don't let games peter out very often, do they? No, and I, I was delighted to hear Brian say that because, as you said there, that was something that might have been lost um, in the, the celebrations of Limerick, and rightfully so, but I just thought like even the start that Limerick had after 10 minutes... A lot of teams, you know, might have been saying, God, we're in for it here now today. And this is another 2020, 2021 All-Ireland, you know, and they might might believe that. But in fairness to Kilkenny, on multiple occasions, when it looked like Limerick were starting to pull away, they clawed it back and clawed it back. No pun intended. But, you know, like, they, 
it's just it's nearly a prerequisite now for Kilkenny that they will always show up on the big day. I don't think you know you can never accuse them of of not putting in a performance, even you know like the games that we had them like there was always kind of circumstances surrounding the performances. The one thing you're always going to get from a Kilkenny team is 100% commitment, 100% trust in each other and buy-in. I would actually say Limerick, you know, they're the most talented team in the country and probably the most together team in the country. But Kilkenny, I'd say, have matched them for that togetherness this year. And I think that's what got them to the final. You could just see the buy-in that every player had in terms of we this is the way we're playing the game. We work hard for each other. There was no individualism or no egos taken over saying, I oh, have to be the man to take the shot. You see, like, TJ Reid is a perfect example, ultimate team player. He's not taking shots over the shoulder thinking like, I have to do this. He's just finding the right man in the right position. And I think that was, a, you know, something that was, it, it's been a mark of all Kilkenny teams, but I think it's something that we should acknowledge in this Kilkenny team to get to where they did yesterday and to put up the performance and put up the fight that they did against this, like what is, you know, the greatest ever Limerick team and, and you know, arguably on their way to being one of the greatest ever teams in the history of Harlem. Yeah. And that Kilkenny, Kilkenny's kind of battling performance, Rory, was definitely facilitated somewhat by your former clubman, Colm Lyons. That was a, <laughs> that was a, that was a referee performance that Brian Cody would have approved of. Did, he didn't give a card, did he? A, fr- a no, free, a free no. was hard one in that I don't match. Think so. No, no, I don't think there was any yellows. I think he had. I, I think Colm had a great game. To be honest, I think he blew when it was a proper foul. He blew, but he tried to let it flow um, that much vaunted euphemism i think he i think he did a really good job on that side of it and i think it's always a good sign on the back of a big game when you're not really talking about him i think that's usually the adage that attaches itself to referees if they have a good game no one notices and that i think is exactly what cullen will take most pleasure pride in his performance yesterday because he got more nearly every decision right he had a good sense of authority the players kind of knew the terms of engagement. They all went into it with pretty much honest endeavour. There wasn't a dirty stroke in the whole match, I'd say. Was there, lads? I mean, I didn't. Cert- I certainly didn't see one. It was no. hard and it was tough, but it was all very fair. And um, it was an absolute humdinger and in every sense. And just a word on Kilkenny, and I know we will get to Limerick. I thought they were heroic. I mean, heroic now. I think Brian Cody was right as well, just to echo uh, Brendan's sentiments earlier there. I think just, I mean, they they could have, they were five points down in the 71st minute and still only lost by two. It's, it was extraordinary. Like, I mean, they just, I think if a lot of other counties, if you're trying to build your team up, if you're a Watford, a Tipperary, a Cork or a Dublin, and you're saying to yourself, if we can even just match the kind of desire, the kind of togetherness and the kind of spirit, I suppose, that, Kilkenny teams and Brian Cody teams are famous for it'll take you such a long way and um, I think they should be very very proud of their performance as well yesterday and I know that's a very mealy mouth uh, consolation to take away from an All-Ireland final defeat but I think they played their part in spades yeah um, on, on Limerick uh, Michael um, Malachy Kirk wrote a nice piece in the Irish Times say about Gerard Hegarty kind of saying um he shouldn't be as hard to stop as he is because he's so easy to notice basically like he's you know he's built like a rugby player 
um you know he's not he's not graceful like you know he says he should be described as a knacky hurler but when was the last time Grode Hegarty was described as a knacky hurler because you know he runs like you know yeah, Robocop etc he has incredible skill though he's yeah. in, oh, his yeah. unbelievable oh, his, his pick up for the goal or for his goal I thought his pick up for the goal and the kind of way he ragdolled Richie Reid was almost more impressive than the shot but Michael like he scored he scored one five and God knows how many assists he got how many puck outs he won how many turnovers he affected in his own full back line it was I think you said it, and I, I echoed your sentiments, I think, in, in something I wrote. Is that I don't remember an All-Ireland final performance, an individual All-Ireland performance, quite as people might be more striking in one element of the game, but it, it was such a complete performance. He did a bit of everything, and he did everything so well. Yeah, well, he's that's not the first All-Ireland he's done that in. Like, no. he, he's been absolutely brilliant um, on the big day, and that's what differentiates him, I suppose. And he had a difficult year. He, he looked... He does an odd little thing that he shouldn't do, right? But that's there's a lot of hurlers you can put into that category. It happens in spur of the moment. But I think he got a bit unfairly targeted early in the year to send would it you, off. Would, would, would you fall into that category in your playing career, Michael? <laughs> <laughs> I was I was too clean. Man. <laughs> but um, I, I definitely was. I did definitely didn't have a, 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 an ounce of this man's ability. But like he is, Rory is right. The skill level. Licks oh. the hooks, but he's a huge man. But he's able to get down over the ball. His mother is not doing the course, so there has to be a, a, a good connection there, <laughs> Magella. But uh, he's um, look, he's he's an incredible player, and uh, you know he. I, I think he's worked great yesterday as well. Like the one one five, he could have got another couple. He assisted on a few, as you say. But the ground he covered, and I think the advantage of being at the match, lads, uh, when you're up where we are. You can see the movement and like the, Paddy Deegan got up like an interesting stat out yesterday was all the halfbacks scored from play mm. um, on both teams. Like uh, Kelly has got four, Mikey Kerry and Richie Reed got one each and Paddy Deegan got two. And, and Dermot Burns, who another man that had a phenomenal game, another massive big day player himself and, and Declan Hamlin and Dan Marcy also, also scored. So because the, the Limerick half forward line was retreating so deep at times to tackle and to hook and to block, were leaving their, their own men sort of free at times and with the heat out there the midfielders couldn't close them down so it, it looked a bit loose at times and but it was because of the speed of the game the puck outs um, you know what the puck outs were happening so quickly so it was almost impossible but I watched Hegarty at times running off the ball to, to, to get into these positions and to create a one-on-one for the puck outs and in that heat and he's a big man like the conditioning was unbelievable uh, of, of all the players. And that's one, one thing that, that struck me about Kilkenny um, the day of the semi-final against Clare. I, and I said it after, I, I never saw a fit with Kilkenny team. And Brendan will tell you, that goes under the radar with Kilkenny. You never hear any talk about the work they're doing, the strength and conditioning. We'll go back over all the years. You never see Kilkenny players going down cramping uh, or anything like that. I talked to use of the bench yesterday, Kilkenny. Like they brought on five subs, five of them all scored, mm. um, which is incredible. And David Blanchfield is going to be a huge player for Kilkenny in the years to come. I think he's in college with me, with my son, Brian, to share in the house in Dublin. And he's a smashing young fella. And like he came on there, he caught a ball over Hegarty's head, went up the field and stuck it over the bar uh, as well. So, look, um, look, it, it wasn't just about Limerick. Uh, the, the Kilkenny's team were, were, were brilliant as well. Yeah, just to go back to Hegarty for a second, Brendan, because you're obviously someone who's shared a field with him on more than one occasion. If not directly picking him up, you've definitely been in his vicinity. Um, as a physical specimen alone, if you don't even count the skill, which we've we've said he has an abundance, 
just as a physical specimen, he must be an incredibly difficult person to play against. He is, yeah. I, I'm going to take back, uh, Mikey, I'm going to go back to your comment there. Uh, put, firmly put my Tipperary jersey on for a minute. You said about Garod's performance yesterday being one of the best individual performances. I'm going to make a case for 2016 and Jamie Canlon's nine points <laughs> play. I'm just going to leave that one there. Uh, Fair enough. Fair enough. Go, it was a subjective comment. A subjective comment. <laughs> but no, uh, back to Garod. Look, I have marked him. Uh, I've come across him the last few years, obviously. What I would say is uh, I'd love to see his heat map of his movement yesterday. Uh, he's probably the most economic mover, if that makes sense, in terms of he takes his breaks and he's not always moving, but he's moving at the right time. If you watch him for puckouts, his timing of his runs for puckouts is impeccable. He, he's not this fella that's always really eager and makes a run and makes it too early and then is standing still for when he's receiving it. So all of this stuff that goes on that's not seen I think is actually what makes him so good. And like you see him popping up in places, he's really good at ghosting. He'll be trotting saying like, I'm not interested, but he is, he knows where he's going and knows what he's doing all the time. And he's trying to find those pockets of space. Like if you look at where he struck his points from, like I know we had the one out over the sideline, like, but he loves picking up that ball on his own 65 and he's able to strike from distance and he doesn't even need the big wind up. He can do it on the run. Uh, just an amazing pair of hands and a, a massive man, like a massive pair of hands as well. Mm -hmm. at that, like his pickup for the goal was just phenomenal um, to to do it without breaking stride. Um, so yeah, look, he's the, he's a, a player for the big day. If you look at his performances in the last three finals, there's probably been his best performances all year. Because look, it wasn't running for him the same way this year as as it might have in other years. You know, he had his a challenging day the last day, and um, I think it's a great sign. The cream will always rise to the top. And you see, you see that yesterday with Kyle Hayes, Tom Morrissey, and Groad Hagerty, the most important line I think Limerick have, um, and they they delivered in spades yesterday. Mm -hmm. Kyle Hayes for me, again talk about heat maps. He covered some ground yesterday, um, and I thought it was his best display all year, and had a great game the last day as well. You know, and he had his struggles with his hamstring I think this year, and even until up until this week I believe or last week, um, he was struggling with it. And you see, he was strapped. It was hard to see it underneath the togs, but he was actually strapped up yesterday as well. Mm -hmm. um, so I think he deserves great credit. And Tom Morrissey came up with two of the most important scores, I'd say, in the game when Kilkenny leveled. They were the reaction uh, scores, weren't exactly. they, Brendan? Yeah. 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 Uh, in from two different spots. I think Tom got two, and I think Dimmer Burns got the other one to push him out three ahead. Um, vital timing and, yeah. and just real leadership. I, yeah. was, um, I did a piece there for the Sunday game, I think it was 2018 or 2019. It was the last year pre-COVID 2019 where we went around the country and uh, got five kind of marquee players from kind of a disparate sort of uh, geographical setting. So it was Conor McManus, Seamus Harnady, uh, Brian Fenton. Um, who else was there? There was uh, Garrod Hagerty anyway. Oh, David Clifford. We had David Clifford as well. So I had to travel around the country to meet them and film them in gyms and film them just doing some tricks and just doing some basic skills that I was going to kind of piece together as, you know, building it up and teams getting prepped for championships. So we did the piece with Garrod and UL and I was out on the all out on the, the fake pitch and I had my hurley as well. So we were waiting for the camera and we were having a few puck. Now I couldn't hurl snow. I couldn't hurl snow. <laughs> snow. I couldn't hurl snow off a rope. Right. And uh, so I was just kind of hitting the ball at him and he was saying, hit it harder. And like, it was just, now you can imagine 
where I was hitting it, it was kind of popping up left and right. And each time he was the way he was killing it, the little like because he is a big man and you don't associate those little intricate skills with a man of his size. But he's got extraordinary skills and it was just a pleasure and a privilege to actually be there. And we got chatting as well. And turns out he's a big Liverpool fan and I'm a big Liverpool fan. And we got chatting about that. And a couple of a couple of weeks later, I was in a, I was at Anfield and I was inside in a bar pre-match. And the next thing I saw a fellow walk past me going into the Jackson. I said, geez, that, was that Carol Dagerty there? <laughs> it was like, well, you'd spot could, him anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's hard, he's hard <laughs> to miss. And he came back out and we had a bit of crack. So um, a, 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 a thorough gentleman, an absolute brilliant example, club man. You know, I know he's hugely involved down there in St. Pat's below in Limerick. And, um, you know, you just, you, you, it's nice when a nice guy you know, finishes first sometimes and you just, you couldn't be happier for him. Yeah. Um, Michael, Brendan mentioned there the importance of Gerald Hegarty, Kyle Hayes and Tom Morrissey. And like the fact that they, I think like what is a one one thirteen from play. Um, the astonishing thing about that was you could in no way say that Michael Carey, Richie Reid and Paddy Deacon had bad games. It was an absolute war that mm-hmm. part of the field. And they all had, they all had successes at times, but it's just, it's impossible to kind of withstand that Limerick tide when it gets going, isn't it? Well, that's it. Look, it was one of those days. I, I thought before yesterday that Barry Nash and Dermot Burns and Aaron Galan were sort of three players from Limerick in, in the running for sort of player of the year, hurler of the year. And it's a tribute to Kilkenny that like the Barry Nash got, didn't get on anything like the ball he normally gets on. They were hemmed in under pressure in the full back line. They look, I said it in the commentary, they looked a bit spooked though at that particular time. Like they were worried because the goal threat is always there with Kenny, particularly the way they were coasting and drifting off the ball and they were creating these one on ones. So their back line didn't get forward as much as normal. And these three lads were going back and helping them out and then getting forward. So it was an extraordinary performance from the three of them, really. And it was at, at different times of the game. Um, when they really needed, they came up with the big scores. Like, and you always need a few players on an iron day to, you know, particularly there'll always be one or two that stand above the crowd. You're trying to win maybe nine positions to win the All Ireland, and I would say most positions were very evenly contested yesterday uh, throughout the field. But Limerick were, were blessed on the day that they had the three players on the one line that were the most important players on the day. Um, like Kyle Hayes, to me, is the best seven in the game. Um, that'd be harsh on Dan Morrissey, but I think if that a full team, I think he's at seven now with Lynch at 11, probably Casey in the corner, um, if they're all fully fit. Uh, that's that's their best team, but it's some tribute to him. And he was, he had struggles during the year. He was in the full forward line. He didn't look comfortable. He was, you know, the old thing in Hurling, like some lads are better, you know, when they can get out and get the room and get the legs moving. So he was, against Galway, he was hugely vital. Like they wouldn't have got over the line against Galway only for his, his three points. Um, particularly late on, he was he was brilliant. And remember the last ball of the game against Galway, he went back and caught the puck out uh, inside his own square. And interestingly enough, yesterday when they went five up, he went back mm. and stood 14 yards from the goals. And in a way, it nearly it cost him because Kenny got three in a row because he was gone. He you know he, he was gone out, out of the ball winning positions. It was him and Egerty primarily yesterday who won all the possession out the field. Um, but I think at that stage, look, they were saying five points is enough for me. But look, he is. He's an incredible athlete. And this, like the sheer size of them, that's like it's 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 
we can talk about all the hurling and the skill they have, which they have in the condition, but like these lads were six, 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 seven. Like it's incredible. Um, and um, for Kilkenny to withstand that for so long and nearly pit them for Galway as well, lads. And Galway are probably the team that are probably best equipped physically to meet to, to deal with Limerick. So by Limerick, you're talking about the age profile. They are creeping a bit up into the 20s. A lot of the players now, there's still loads of mileage left in them, but mm. there's a lot of mileage on the clock as well. So I'd say that Galway will be the team that will be saying, lads, if we can get another 10% out of us, we could have bet Limerick the last day. So I know I'm looking forward to next year already, but that's what you have to do. Yeah, well, look, well if Limerick carry on this kind, of, uh, this kind of schedule of kind of not bothering too much with the league, sure, they're only looking at a two and a half month season every year. So, you know, these guys could go on until God knows, God knows what age. Um, who's, going, who's going to bother with the league now? Yeah, they, they have the kind of given yeah. they've given the template, haven't they? That you know, you know, like I mean, Limerick. But if you look at right, I actually am uh, very interested in everybody's view. So, just for the crack there at the end of the league, and I did it on purpose because I was curious to see what would happen. We did a team of the league at the end of the league. There wasn't a single Limerick, a single Limerick, a single Galway, or a single Clare player on that team. Now they dominated the team last night. Um, so if you're all the other counties, you are now saying, forget about the league. Are you? The other, the other side, so the other side of Limerick is is probably Waterford, isn't it? Where they were absolutely hopping during the mm. league. The league final performance was unbelievable. And then it started to peter a little bit, you know, and, and, and they dipped. So it is that whole argument of, you know, when do you want to be peak and because you cannot sustain it for six months. You know, it has to be. And I think Limerick did that very well and have been doing it well. But in saying that, there's a lot to be gained from getting a bit of success in a developing team. You do need to, to get that bit of winning momentum and, and get that kind of, like, get that bit of belief in to say, do you know what? I suppose it is fair enough. Like Limerick and could have, like, they had so much back. They know what they have. They, they yeah, so they can support. Yeah, yeah. 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 Horses for courses, isn't it, Michael? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Rory, um, I, I spent many years on the nighttime Sunday game trying to pick the team of the year, and mm. you, were, you were there with me many a night. The rounds. Yep. Remember Gerlock yeah. Nan? <laughs> a couple of times we had, we had mighty crack, but uh, <laughs> uh, I, the, I just have to say on the team last night, one player I'd have interested in that I thought couldn't be left off the team Mikey Butler? No. Connor Whelan. Connor Whelan, yeah. Yeah. My, my two that I'd be making the, the argument for was, was Mikey Butler and, and Conor Whelan as well um, No, Shane O'Donnell was good but I wouldn't have Conor Whelan Cahill Mannion was outstanding but Conor Whelan that's mother of God often against two and three men he's phenomenal I couldn't leave him off Mikey Butler is very unlucky he was he was savage and, um, but Whelan for me anyway that's I, thought, I, I thought they picked a, a good team to be fair and I think sometimes as you know Michael like how frosty and how uh, <laughs> t- tempestuous it can get uh, you are under a lot of pressure you know the all-star selectors they have they have about 10 months to pick the team well in reality they have about four months right like the lads had four hours, you know. I know, I know, I know, I know. So you know, you know the stress and the pressure that it's under. So and like, and it is very subjective then as well. But I thought, I thought that, I thought it was a good team. Now, in fairness, I, know, I, 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 I would agree with you, Michael. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. Though I, I, I had on my, I was thinking about my team of the year yesterday as well, and I was, I had Tony Kelly out in the half forward line, and I had Connor Whelan in, and I chained on laugh. Um, that was my, that was my only change. And to be honest, you could make the argument like. 
like Sean Finn and Barry Nash have to be on your team. Yeah. But you could justifiably put Mikey Butler in there and mm-hmm. make a stronger case to say, yeah. look, they were all brilliant and we have to pick someone. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. so, yeah. as you said, it's very subjective and it's it's a great sign of the health of the game mm. that we were having this. Like, some, there was probably, if we're being honest about it, there were some years where lads were getting in and I might have even had one of them myself where you're getting in because there was nobody else good, good enough you know? or they didn't want to pick a team that was 15 Kilkenny men or like the, you know there was years when you could <laughs> yeah, make yeah. Yeah, didn't yeah. Limerick have 14 or 15 of the players of the year last year the tw- year before tw- tw- 12, lad, 12, 12 last yeah. year yeah. Oh, Brendan, you could have been like me and never in there. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, well, just to go back to Kilkenny for a minute, then, Michael, because one talking about subjective decisions, I had the misfortune of well, I gave myself the job, I'm the boss, but I had the misfortune of doing the ratings yesterday, which is uh, always a tricky business. You'll always get one bum one, and I, I think I did a disservice to Hugh Lawler. I only gave him seven out of ten, which wasn't very fair, I think, considering. He kept Aaron Gillam to three points from play and as he is one of the players in there in that team of the year. Again, it's just to make the point that the Kilkenny, the Kilkenny backs didn't play badly at all and some of them absolutely shown, including Hugh Lawler. Um, and I said it here on Thursday that I think Brian Cody, can he, ha- he has six backs now he has a lot of faith in and I, do- I don't think he'd have lost any faith there. And as you said, there's likes of Blanchfield who he's obviously kind of, I don't know if he's wrapping him in cotton wool or there was just something he saw that he didn't like as much as he liked in Mikey Carey or whatever it was, but like he's got options there, hasn't he? And they, they do look like they're becoming a really kind of properly grizzled Kilkenny backline. Yeah, well, I agree with you totally. I think up until this year, he was, you know, there was there, there was a bit of, um, I think, a bit of worry about him. Like if you look at yesterday in the second half, the space that was in front of, of Galan and Flanagan, like Graham McCahey before he was taken off had drifted out to field the half hour they were retreating very deep so it left completely two one-on-ones inside with Lawler and Galan and uh, Tommy Walsh on, on Flanagan and Tommy Walsh again under the radar player he had a superb game again yesterday um, Flanagan got two and Galan got three Galan showed how good he is by getting three points from playing Ireland final when not having a good day by his standards but it's still it's still a fair achievement but Lawler stuck to him they had no cover they had no support uh, and then when Peter Casey came on, um, Mikey Butler picked him on. I thought the last 20 minutes, Butler, that was his best spell of the game. He was absolutely brilliant then. So they are rock solid. Um, and the athleticism that maybe was lacking in their backline a little bit has now been solved because like, Mikey Carey is a savage athlete. Paddy Deegan gives it everything. Um, he could have actually, he had an easy wide after a half time and Richie Reid had another one like they, they, they were getting a lot of ball because of the way Limerick were playing so you know a couple of more of them had we gone over we might be saying today while the Limerick half hour they played brilliantly they left the lads to score six or seven points and, and that could have cost them the game but I think Kenny the, the balance between the younger players starting and the bench that they had really kept fruition and he waited all year to bring Richie Hogan in and Richie is and anyone that knows about him He's one of the most passionate hurling people that ever played the game. One of the great Kilkenny players. And he's been there all year waiting and waiting and waiting. and never got a minute. And then, and I said it last Thursday night of the preview, I said, I thought, I said, in my head, there's something telling me that Richie Hogan will come on and win the game. And if you remember, Adrian Muller got a ball in the second half late on. Hogan was inside. We should have passed it. He hit it wide, actually. Muller got three points. He's a developing player. He's going to be a super player. But I think if Richie Hogan got in that ball, again, these are little things that, you know, I'm not saying to decide on Ireland, but the, the decision making is so important. So I think Kilkenny, look, it's it's going to take them a while, and the questions will start now. Does Brian Cody come back again next year? 
Of course he does, as far as I'm concerned. Um, and unless, unless he doesn't want to. Yeah, but he, but he will want to. Yeah. I don't think he does anything. Like, <laughs> no, I don't um, think so either. Yeah, yeah. As you say, he's, yeah. there's something there's something building there um, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, but Mike, Mikey, just go back to, to your point of, about you Lawler, because I've been at that receiving end of trying to deal with that two-man full forward line against Limerick. And as the ball coming in, it's like in training, if you know the, the games of backs and forwards, where you literally have a player picking out the pass for the forward. And as a backman, it's absolutely horrible stuff. So I thought, particularly in the second half, when Limerick retreated seriously, when when the pressure was coming on them a little bit, you know, their half forward line were very, very deep. And the, the majority of the time, they're out around the middle anyway to leave that space inside. So like, if you were to try and explain Limerick's system, 8 to 13 is their engine. So from Will O'Donoghue to, to Gray Mulcahy, the, those six players are in around the middle third, literally working their socks off. And then they leave the two boys inside, Fannigan and Galan, and it's like, let's work our pop passes so we can give a good ball in. And if you imagine, like, you're a fullback or a cornerback standing inside on the 14-yard line or even deeper, and you're looking out at, like, literally an acre of space in front of you, and you're saying, like, like so for you, Lawler, to be on Aaron Galan's heels and to get those little touches, like, that, I thought it was an awesome display now. Uh, just just having experienced it and how difficult that is. Um but again, I'd say, you know, when you say Galan got three points in the first half, you can argue that as well. But anyway, uh, but the second point then is our Limerick's half-forward line is like the epitome. Yesterday's display was the epitome of the modern-day half-forward line. They spent most of the time in the middle of the field or maybe even closer to her half-back line, and they scored 113 from play. I mean, it, <laughs> yeah, do, it doesn't yeah. make sense. It doesn't like, make any sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but it just goes to show the way Limerick play they're not compromising their scoring by being more defensive. Like I would love, like I'd love to play wing back on that Limerick team. Cause Dimmer Burns, like he's literally, he has his own and he has the boys working their socks off. He doesn't have to follow a man. When did you ever see Dermot Burns up in the far half of the field, trying to mark a man or defend, you know, on the back foot doesn't happen because he has trust. And that, that's what I mean about that middle six. They're the engine. They just put pressure on lads and they trust that they're going to put enough pressure on that it's going to be a 50-50 ball in and we can eat it up. I mean, it's uh, they're just so effective at it. It's unbelievable. But that engine, I mean, the, that's the, six. The, the big difference, Brendan, I think with with, with these lads, say even go, going back to our, we actually played our half-hour line on, on, on the off team I played in the 90s. We actually played very deep as well. Um, but we couldn't strike the ball as far as these yeah. lads can. And that's the bottom line. Like, you know, you, you were getting in maybe for two or three points. You had a good game, maybe won a few frees, but you had to be getting within 50 yards, 50, 60 yards in goals. These lads are going to pop the ball from 100 yards on the run, as you said about Hegarty. So is Morrissey, so is Hayes. Now, Hayes is usually running at the goals when he scores. Mm-hmm. Um, but but in particularly Morrissey and Hegarty, the distances they can strike the ball. So, look, the, I know the equipment is better. I know the ball is probably that bit lighter and better, but, but the power of them as well and all that. So, like, it's, it, it's just... It is incredible. And like if one of them had dipped yesterday, Limerick were, were probably in trouble. It's just that it was incredible to see the three of them playing, playing so well. We've talked about, I suppose, a good bit here, but they, they are the reason primarily. I think a lot of the other players had their hands full, on the, hadn't they? A lot of the Limerick players yeah. had, had their hands full on the day. Yeah, no, it's, it's as I said, it was Hegarty's the epitome of it, but as you said, Morrissey's points and Kyle's points, they just, like when they were needed, they were the players who were able to get themselves free despite doing an insane amount of work. Uh, we've lost, we've lost Michael. 
he'll be back he'll shortly. Be back. With ho- be back. Hopefully, um, Rory, a word on Declan Hannon. Um, I was just going to say, yeah, for, you know, his history maker in the only man to lift Liam McCarthy four times. What a, what a performance as well. That's though, the thing. Was, That's what I wanted to say was that beyond that, he is like he's just the epitome of calm. He's always there for a pass. He's always manages to get a hurl in, like just, and then he finds a pass as well. And he's just, um, he's kind of he's a very unique kind of centre half back. I think did uh, an interview feature with him pre-match and it was the second or third time that we've done it uh, with Declan particularly and one of the things that comes across for me Brendan is and and Brendan would have a very similar um, aura about him he's just he's a very articulate very measured very clever very cool and calm individual um, really good communicator uh, you, he just has leader written all over him and you can see why, why I'd say John Kiley said look you're going to be my captain and that's that and um, he, I think uh, his performance again yesterday how many balls did he win coming down behind him you know with that sort of fallback catch that he's almost a master of and then it's never ever a Hail Mary it's always right at one stage he was he was in the middle of a bit of a a bit of a war zone. He what there was three to four Kilkenny bodies surrounding him, and he just took that extra second, that extra half step, kind of turned away from the play, and he was able to get a lovely little pop pass off, which set Limerick off again. And from that point of view, like he, to my mind, I'd say he's a manager's dream because you know when you've got a, somebody of firstly of his ability because he wouldn't obviously be playing in the team if he didn't have that but when you've got somebody with that sort of leadership credential uh, backboning and cementing down that number six position which is still this to my mind still the most important position in hurling um i think when you have someone of his quality and his caliber i think it's just gold absolute gold and um he gave an incredible display yesterday and again you know to see him break records and go up and lift liam mccarthy and even to have the humility to say look i'm going to share this moment because obviously my teammate is missing out on the big day here it just it just again spoke volumes for him and uh just a mark of the character of him Brendan, he comes across Declan Hannon as kind of almost mild mannered and quiet spoken, and he's like, he's, a, I don't know what he, he kind of seems like the, um, the good guy among these kind of these these kind of hard hitting Limerick lads. But I have an impression that that's um, <laughs> that uh, that uh, kind of appearances might be a little bit deceiving. That Declan Hannon is well able to look after himself. Oh, absolutely. Look, I think he represents everything that's good about this group, this team. Um, I think you know. I thought yesterday was probably one of his best performances yeah. I'd say I've seen yeah. in a number of years. I thought he was, was I thought he was immense. Um composed on the ball and t- you know, struck a great score as you're were only for Ga- only for Ga- only for Garrod, maybe Brendan, he probably would have been close enough to being the I, top I, player on display, maybe. I would have had him up there, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I would I would have had him up there as a close second when I was thinking about it, you know. Um and a lot of what he was doing, it was just so simple, but like on the biggest day of the year. He was so calm under pressure. Those little pop passes in in traffic, do you know what I mean? It had lots of bodies around him. Like rather than the easy decision to make there is to just release the ball into an area. But he like you never see him doing that. It's mm. either a pop pass, you know, a hand pass or a short stick pass. Always does the right thing. Uh, but what I thought he was really good on yesterday, which you wouldn't see, you know, much. Not I wouldn't see much of it with him. But I thought he's tackling and work rate yesterday. I thought he was very aggressive and he, he spoke about it 
in his post-match interview about being having more of a focus on the aggression and more of a focus on meeting the Kilkenny work rate. And I thought it was very reflective in his performance. You could see him. He was ready for taking hits. He was given hits, which you don't normally associate with Declan. Do you know what I mean? Um, but look, a huge honour for him individually. But like when he was asked, you know, I listened to his, his postman stuff straight away. He's nearly laughing. Like, I don't know how to answer that, lads. He just so hu- humble and, and modest. Mm-hmm. But I have to say all of the group, it, when you hear him, all the interviews that were done, whether it was Grode, Hegarty, Barry and lo- Nash. And, lo- and loads of them. That was the other thing that struck me, Brendan. Like, what I love about him is this. Like, sorry to cut across you. Apologies, oh, no, no, but I do think this is an important point. Like, they've won their All-Ireland, right? There's no managing the message now from John Kiley. Get out there and talk and sell the Limerick message. And you're all well able. You're all really good speakers. You're all very articulate young men. You're all really good ambassadors for your, your county. You're going to sell the game to the next generation of Limerick hurlers. There's going to be no hiding. No, oh, well, that fella can talk and this fella can't talk. And he, you, you can't talk to him. And you, Like, everybody was available. We were asking, can we have this person? No problem. Can we have that person? No problem. They were, they're, they're fantastic. And I think mm. they're, they're a great lesson as well for how you should manage the post-match in terms of milking it for all that it's worth. Sorry, Brendan. Yeah, no, but it, look, I mean, that's it. And they're all great ambassadors for the game. But if you think about what they're talking about, they weren't, they weren't talking about the great scores that were got or the individual piece of skill. All they were talking about was the unity of the group and doing it for each other. And if you listen to any interview that any Limerick player does or John Kiley does, all they do is talk about the group. There's no egos there. They obviously have a massive amount of belief underneath it all, which you need. But I just think like they have something special there where despite Garoad Hegarty getting mad at a match yesterday, that doesn't he's no different in that dressing room today. Like they just they they all have a massive respect for each other and they realize that the strength is in the team and not in any individual. And to be able to have that and harness that, it's it's a hard thing to do. The Kilkenny team had it, you know, but like I was definitely part of teams where we had it, then we lost it, then we had it. You know what I mean? It's hard to get that culture in place and for that bit of, you know, not a separation, but just when lads kind of start thinking a little bit more individual where they're getting the accolades, but you just do not see that in any of these Limerick players, no matter how good they are or how many accolades they're getting, it's still always all about the group. That Michael is, that is it's very impressive. And also kind of a little disheartening maybe for the rest. I think just, just looking ahead, looking ahead to, to 2023, like do Limerick need to come back to the pack here for somebody to challenge them? Or do you think there's any County out there who, maybe by next year, having seen another year, Limerick might kind of be able to challenge them, you know, through their own improvement. Oh, well, look, I think so. Like You were in injury time yesterday, because Kenny were, you know, there's only two points, pucking the ball in it, Galway, the last day. And I think everyone... Claire, 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 Claire have taken them to the well a few Claire, times. Claire, well. Claire have a way to, to reserve their best performances for, for, for Limerick. Um, so, look, I think I suppose today is not, it's not I, they're going to be hard to beat to get the lads back you know Key Lynch I, I, I don't know how bad his injury is but I think he's going to be out for a while that's what they're that's what they're saying so that's going to have that's a, a, basically a year off for him from Hurling so he has to come back from that Peter Casey will be stronger next year Cahill O'Neill will be stronger as well Um, I, but I, I do think they'll probably need what every team needs is you'll need one or two players pushing the lads that are starting um, for, their, for their jersey that's what Kilkenny were brilliant at with the great team, um, they always had somebody coming uh, to put the pressure on. Um, so um, that'll be interesting to see. Um, I suppose 
you know, I'd always be trying to learn about about teams. And just it's very interesting to hear uh, Brenda talking about the, the lads there. Um, like Declan Hannum wasn't always like that. He didn't have that belief uh, when he was younger. Remember, he started out in the forwards. Mm. He had a tough time. He, uh, I was talking to Aidan Cregan last Friday at the All Ireland Hurlers uh, President's Prize Golf Prize was on, and Eamon was there. And I don't see Eamon that often anymore. And I won't go into the conversation because someone was private, but he was talking about Declan in school and he had him in Mary Eye and the way he developed and the regard that, like Eamon Cregan is regarded as maybe the greatest Limerick hurl, one of the greatest Limerick hurlers of all time, to see the regard he has for these people. Because Eamon would be a tough taskmaster in terms of getting that respect, whether that was with Offaly or any other player. But the regard, the way he spoke was incredible uh, to hear from someone like Eamon Cregan, the type of person that he is, the type of captain, the example he sets for the whole county. Um, as John Kiley does as well. So that's hugely important, Rory, to go to your point uh, about those lads being out there talking. Like it's, it amazes me to, to be taking your top players away and not giving them access to the media. Not, because I even see... With, well, with certainly no, certainly no, anyway. Like, you may as well, you know, go milk it for it's worth. It. But these guys are these guys are very well-educated, very very sound fellas. But, but, but Declan Hannum would have worked, I think, very, very hard on the mental aspect of his game. Caroline Cordo, I don't know. And Brendan, you can, you, you obviously do. She, she, she had such an impact with yourselves, I know, over the years. And she, I know even Gareth Hegarty last year spoke about some of the one-on-ones that he did with, with her as well that has really, really helped him. And, and we never had that. So I'm, I'm speaking from a blank void here. We had no sports psychology in my time. I often think back and some of the lads I played with and maybe do, and, and maybe including myself as well, at times you'd be doubting yourself. And, you know, you know that was a big thing with me that I, I always kind of felt I was on the, was I good, really good enough to be there, you know, and you had to deal with that yourself um, in your own way and build mm. yourself up uh, or else you couldn't perform at that level. You couldn't win all hours unless you, you solved that. Um, but but, but I, I think that she has to have play a massive part. And I think that whole group thing is very much driven John Kyle is that type of man but I think she has a huge part to play in that Brendan I'd, and, and I say maybe look you know, you know her a lot better than she, she's than a I bit do. of a mysterious figure like she doesn't like to talk about herself we know that we know that Brendan we've tried to get her to do an interview a few times she doesn't like it but uh, I've never heard anybody say anything but magnificent things about her yeah and I think that's part of what she wants to create in terms of her influence and impact she's not in it to, to get the, the name on the paper shall we say or do you know what I mean it's what she's really good at, I think, is just having those open conversations. She was massive in, in terms of my own individual development. I would have met Caroline first in 2009, um, so my first year on the panel. And, you know, you're coming, you're trying to break onto a team. There's a lot of doubts will creep in when you start facing, you know, the standard that is inter-county senior hurling. And, you know, a bad game can have a huge impact on you at that age. But she was really good for the younger lads. And I think... She's also really good. She was really good for the older lads that might have had maybe some of the scares of the years before as well. And being able to bring that together then where you have the the freedom of expression of the young people being advocated and embraced. And then the, the older lads try to feed off of that and realize that like the past is the past lads. It's all about now. And I think if we hear again, go back to the way they talk, if you listen to, to what they talk about, they don't reflect. You know, they literally, it's very cold in the way that they talk about previous games and it always seems to be like next game next training session and they, they just have these messages that they're hammering home and if, if you heard Caroline's interview last night I was surprised to be honest to see her mm-hmm. sit up there and speak uh, I think she was 
I'd say dragged up because I, I think Paul Canerk refused to go up and, and yeah. uh, Caroline, they managed to get Caroline up. Um, but like she said about reinforcing and re-encouraging the group and the whole culture of the group. And that is, she's just an advocate of what John Kiley wants to bring and is bringing. And I think when you have those kind of figureheads sending a message out and Declan Hannon would be part of that then as well and Keen Lynch as captain and vice captain, like it all has to be led from the top. And it's a simple message, but it's consistent. And Caroline is consistent in the message that she gives you. Uh, and I think that just kind of creates that belief, creates trust amongst the group. Like I know many times I heard them talk about the bond that they have and we're all brothers and we trust each other, massive belief in each other. Like that's something special to have, you know, because if we're all being honest, the teams that we've been on, you might have it with a group of lads, but like it's very rare you're able to, to go into the, the throws of all Ireland's like that and just have absolute belief in every person that's on the pitch. And we've seen the evidence of it. Like, you know, Connor Boylan stepped up yesterday. Carl O'Neill come on. And you could just see the come on. Da- David Reedy. David Reedy in the semi-final. Unbelievable. Like, and just, it just, you can just see it. You, you know, they don't need to talk about what they're doing. They, they, it's very simple, the messages that they, they seem to be given to each other. But they go out then and they, they just act on it. Yeah. Um, and it's, 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 it's great to see. I think yeah. it's, Something we can all learn from. Rory, there's a there there's a professional quality to the to the Limerick setup, and I, I suppose it's it's something gets mentioned. It doesn't get mentioned much. It tends to be kind of a divisive thing when you when you mention his name. But like the influence that JP McManus has had on the GA Limerick is huge, and you get the impression it's not just financial. Obviously, financial helps a lot, but there seems to be kind of a a sharing of expertise and just kind of the whole culture that he brings into it. But we know now for years that being successful at an inter-county level is a very, very expensive business and different counties have different ma- manners of funding themselves. But for Limerick, they seem to have, and I know a lot of his funding has gone into the underage and the academies, which Anthony Daly has told us many times are a huge part of the success. So it can't be underestimated the kind of the, the financial backing there as well, can it? Yeah, look, but I think, Jay, to be fair to somebody like JP McManus, and correct me if I'm wrong, <clears throat> Michael May know more than I do on this, but I think J.P. McManus has been pouring money into Limerick GA all across the board going back to the 70s or certainly since he first managed to earn a few quid for himself. Like, this isn't something that's been happening last week or the week mm. before. He's been, you know, and there's been plenty of Limerick teams down through the years and lots of areas where Limerick hurling wasn't as uh, successful as it is now. I think what you're seeing now is the bearing of fruition of a lot of really good people that they've got into really good positions all across the board and they're all singing from the one hymn sheet and they're all in unison together and when that happens it can be a very potent mix and very very difficult to stop and I think from JP's point of view I think look I don't necessarily see finance as being a stumbling block for any of the major inter-county teams. If you look at across the, the certainly the 10 that are competing in Liam McCarthy Cup level and obviously um Antrim are coming into that mix now as well this year, uh, for, sorry, for 2023. If you need money, if you're one of those big counties and you need money and you need a budget, you'll get it. You're trying to tell me that Cork, for instance, or there's not money in Tipperary that they couldn't go out and tap. And, you know, like there's money there if you need it, but it's just 
how you spend it. And there's, and there's already money there. There's plenty of big budgets in all of these other counties. They just spend it really well. They've got a brilliant management team. They've got one of the best coaches probably that's ever been in terms of Paul Kinnerk. He's an absolutely fascinating figure. I go to, um, it hasn't been held now for a couple of years because of COVID, but I go to that games development conference every year in January. It's always in Croke Park. It's interesting from my point of view, from a work point of view, but I'm also from my own club's point of view, just to sort of, you know, there's a lot of ideas thrown around there and you kind of get, it's a sort of a melting pot of coaching practices and techniques and different ways of doing things. And there's like a big culture mix there and it's, you might learn something, you might learn nothing. Invariably you pick something up, but the, with two years just before COVID, one of the reasons I said, I'm absolutely 100% gone was Canark was the guest speaker on the Friday night. So he gave a lecture for an hour and I'm not joking. It's online actually. It's, a, it's up there online and it's well worth watching. Man, like, like, firstly, how giving he was. There was none of this. Well, I'm not telling you any of my secrets here. Like, no, we didn't go into, you know, the minutia and the very, very small detail. But he threw some things out at the crowd, a very simple little technique. He, I remember him saying, with the standard coaching uh, routine that most coaches will employ is they rock up, do a bit of stretch, do a few drills, and then break into a match. And he said, why don't you start with a match? And I was kind of going, Jesus, I never thought of that. Like, Rory, one of the players, right? And this was over a few drinks. And it I was so simple and stupid, but I was like, yeah, Jesus, that's a really unusual way of looking at it. Sorry. So someone was trying to kind of get at, like, what kind of training are you doing? Or what's, mm. the, what's the style? Or what's all this tactical stuff? And the player in question was like, like I don't know why people be keep talking about this tactics. Like, all we do is possession games and shuttle runs. That's all our chin is. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Possession games and shuttle runs. That's yeah, all we do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think, yeah, exactly. And I just thought it was what was interesting from his point of view, I think. And the point he was trying to make, I suppose, with that just as a simple little example is. And I think that's probably the genius of Kenork. I'd say when they go into training each night, I'd say there's always something new and there's a little, something small, a little bit, a little bit of a difference there. And he just keeps them thinking. And he's, I'd say he's a brilliant player to play or a brilliant coach to play under because I'd say, you know, like, uh, I, 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 you, he's, he's a fascinating character anyway, as all the Limerick management team are, including John Kiley. But I, 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 I find him a very, very interesting figure now in, in all of this. Yeah, um, they do. But from Canark to Currid, you know, to, to, to the academies, Michael, they, they do seem to have things in very good order. And obviously, I know on uh, in your own in your own neck of the woods, you know, with faithful fields, and you know, kind of getting kind of uh, the kind of expertise and financial contribution from the likes of Shane Lowry. So you're, you're looking to achieve that. Are Limerick now, you know, the Dublin footballers were taught about for years as kind of the gold standard. Do, do you think Limerick, Limerick GA is now kind of the gold standard of how you should look to set up uh, for inter-county success? Well, it's all down to people. Uh, I, I think um, just on JP's role, like it's, it's an open secret that five or six years ago or sometime around then he brought the county board out to Martinstown and I think they were more or less told to get their house in order if if uh, it was going to continue uh, being involved and John Cregan came in as chairman I don't you know John John was a TD um, he was actually chairman of the football board for quite a while in Limerick and John is an absolute gentleman um, Michael Reardon is the secretary uh, they call him Spike down there. He's a very determined individual, uh, to, to say the least. He's a good character, Mike. Jeez. He gets stuck in on the line note. Yeah, 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 to, yeah. to, to, to get stuck in. Um, 
and um, like and they do uh, to take Rory's but they do huge fundraising outside the JP. I don't know how much money yeah. JP, but but, it, but like Club Limerick is very well established. To have, you know they, they have their different um, structures in place. Um, and but I think Jerry McManus and the academies, then the way they're structured and run, Joe McKenna, who's a great friend of JP's, is involved. So I think it's 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 the money, it's I think it's the way they're looked after. They don't have to think about it or worry about it in terms of the players. And at the end of the day, we're talking about all this support, but at the end of the day, it's about the players. And it, you know, Paul Clare can be the best coach, but the same like they are incredible hurlers, these are once in a lifetime, like that Kilkenny team. Brendan would have played with, with a number of players and his great Tipperary team that are just different. They're just different, but they have so many of them. And um, that's where Kilkenny, at their peak, they had all-stars in their subs. Now, so do Limerick, you know what I mean? And, <laughs> uh, and you're playing without players of the year and all-stars and you're still winning all-Irelands. That's a massive level. And it's how you get there. And not everyone is going to get there. But you have to try to do things right. You have to try to get the right people involved, and you have to have them everywhere. And that's the difficulty in an amateur organisation. I see as chair of is to get enough people around your setup that are of the standard. We all know the type of people. First of all, to identify them, find them, get them involved, and then mould it all into the into the one um, process is very very difficult to do. And very, um, very and, and Dave, look, they've done it. Um, but to answer your question, look, other counties aren't, they're not going to start out the year saying Limerick are going to win the Ireland. There's going to be half a dozen counties next year that, that will believe at the start of the year that they can believe McCarthy next year. Yeah. Brendan, it, it is uh, finish up now in a second. It, it's funny when you were playing tip, you were the standard bearers for Munster hurling and for you know hurling in Ireland for quite a while. Like, you know, th- there does seem to be a bit of a gap forming between between Limerick and others, and the challenge is there now for Tipperary and whoever their new manager is to try and, and close that. But it's it's as significant a challenge as Tipperary Ireland has had for a while, isn't it? It is, yeah. Uh, I do think. Look, obviously, a lot has gone on the last couple of weeks, and we could comment on the way that that was dealt with, and you know, that's another another conversation. But ultimately, the decision has been made now, and we'll have a new man in. But what I would say is, like. I don't think we're as far behind maybe as, mm. as I this agree. year as Sean. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think there's still a lot of talent there. There's still a lot of good fellas there. Uh, and some coming through. And some coming through as well, yeah. Mm. So I, I would hope, you know, that we can get that structure and the right people in place in the background to start pushing this thing on again. Um, I hate going back on, on the last 12 months, but like you just... There was very early on. There was worry, you know, in terms of the loose, loose carry in the old way. Yeah, like you could was. see it, and and you could see the the lack of belief in players. Then, and you talk about that unity, you could start to see lads were starting to mind their own house, and that's never a good sign. So, um, hopefully, you look over the next six months. I think a lot of work has to go on. But you know, I know Michael won't comment too much on it, but you can see the impact that you have had, Michael, in what you've done in in Offaly and and the the teams you're starting to produce now and. It just goes to show when you get those people in place and you get the structure in place, it's not just about the resources and the financial contributions. It's people. And it will always come down to people. And like, I would like to, I'd love to know who are the coaches that are not being talked about in Limerick that were part of that <laughs> academy yeah. that had these players at 14, 15, 16, because they were all part, they're all products of. Well, Joe McKenna, academy. I think Joe McKenna had a huge influence. Did he, Michael? He was involved in the structure. Leo O'Connor, our minor uh, manager in Offaly. Now, Leo was very involved with, with all those lads. Um, mm. 
was actually, he was actually talking about Declan Hannon to me as well. One, he said the first day he came in for trials at under 14 or something, there was a big gang coming in and he, some lad hit a ball, kind of a stray ball like a rocket and it was going past Hannon. He just flicked the ball into his hand and he says to some of the lads, he said, unbelievable piece of skill because the ball wasn't meant for him. It was going 20 yards further. And he said, he says to one of the lads, uh, he said to one of the lads, Who, who's that? And they said, it's, uh, it's De- Declan Hannon. And he said, right. He said, put him on the list. He's top of the list. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, but, uh, he, he, um, uh, but Leo was involved. Yeah, no, um, Brendan is right. You, see, you have to think outside the box uh, some of the time. So um, th- there are people there that can assist, I think. Uh, I'm, not sure. going to, not, I'm not going to say anymore. Yeah. Um, just so, I, I, can't, I can't let it go, Brendan. Am I to take from what you said there a second ago that you wouldn't be overly impressed with the manner in which Colin Bonner was, as they said, relieved of his duties? Yeah, look, I thought it could have been handled a bit better. Uh, but in saying that, look, I mean, uh, two of the management team left. I heard a lot of unrest amongst the players in terms of the standard of the setup and that. And it's unfortunate the way that it has all panned out. But ultimately, I suppose the people involved felt a decision had to be made and it was made and it's look I think everyone involved was making it for the with the right I suppose intentions Intention. in mind the way it was carried out maybe could be argued but ultimately yeah. yeah the the decision I suppose was was with the right intentions in mind and look I don't know Colin Bonner that well but I know he's a massive hurling man a massive Tipperary man and it's unfortunate that this has happened but I don't think it should tarnish his reputation anyway and he has come out and he has spoken and talk about being open with, with media and that like he was fierce open this year, mm. very honest man. And I think he has kind of, he has been consistent with that even post what happened last week. Um, So huge admiration for him in that sense. And whoever will come in, I mean, obviously there's, there's leading candidates and that, but next few weeks will tell a lot. Mm. I, I, I just think that there's, it's not just the manager that needs, you know, that the, that needs to be sorted out like, or, or that needs to be replaced. Now there needs to be a full, you know, Right, SNC, your Caroline Corrors of the world, all of these people that work in the background are massively important. And if you don't have the right people involved in those positions, then the the culture of the team and the performance of the team ultimately will will struggle or suffer. So there's a lot to be a lot to be done. But look, I would still be optimistic that that Tipperary Hurling can still be competitive and we can build build over the next couple of years. Right. So our, our 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 hurling final preview podcast started with Tipperary, and our hurling podcast <laughs> review podcast is ending with Tipperary. You can't get away from the Limerick maybe kingpins, with Tipperary still dominating the conversation. I and like you'll all, and, and you'll all be cutting the heads off each other in club championship now over the next few weeks, I'd imagine, Brendan. Yeah, starting this weekend. So um, start oh. games are fri- Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday. Uh, we're out Saturday evening against Torres Harsfield. So big mm, one, interesting one. Yeah. Enjoy it. Um, thank you to Brendan thank you to Michael thank you to Rory and um, we'll be back on Thursday myself and Rory that is to preview the All-Ireland Football Final come and take and fast we'll chat to you then good luck bye we earned it by winning the last two matches on the road and that's not going to be taken away from us what I love in Hurland I love players that will never give in he hits it he hits it it's over the bar